You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, how do you follow that? That was brilliant. I think the only thing that potentially could have made it better today for me, personally, would have been if, um, if Pete had been sort of harnessed and <laughs> come down from the ceiling. You know, we've got somewhere to, to go next year, haven't we? So uh, we can work towards that. Anyway, um, I'm Steph. Lovely to have you all with us this evening. And I'm just going to speak to you just for a few moments on hope. Christmas, for many, is a favourite time of the year, isn't it? Twinkly lights, festive cheer, parties, family t- family traditions, lovely memories and joyful anticipations. There's all the cosy Christmas vibes, the scent of warming spices, the glow of candlelight, gingerbread houses adorned with sugary treats, and mulled wine and mince pies galore. Yet for others, there's another side to Christmas, a bleak and sorrowful side, a time of painful memories, of loss, of family tensions, of financial struggles and loneliness. For many, hurting hearts experience an intensified ache in the season. On top of that, in the last couple of years, we've all had to face the reality that the world can be a very turbulent place. Hope can seem so far away when the world appears to be ready to turn into chaos at any moment. One minute we can be filled with joyful expectation and the next our hearts can plummet into disappointment. This Christmas there will be many who are in pain. But, and this is the really good news, for all the great hurts, there is also great hope. Unexpected, unprecedented, unparalleled hope. Hope beyond all measure. When we turn our eyes to something greater than ourselves, we find the Christmas hope we seek is in fact much closer than we could possibly have imagined. Much like we find ourselves now, Jesus was born into a time of turbulence, of oppression and chaos. He wasn't born into ideal or expected circumstances. In fact, a lowlier, more uncomfortable or more low-key arrival could probably not have existed. Miraculously conceived, yet naturally delivered, divinity arrived through the womb of a teenager and in the presence of a carpenter. Majesty in the midst of the ordinary mess. The light of the world made his grand appearance, entrance in the form of a baby, the son of God held by human flesh. When Jesus came on that very first Christmas, everything changed and the glory of that night could not be contained. The angels sang their glory to God The Messiah had come. The hope of the world was here. In the Bible, in John 1, verse 14, it says this, So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. What an extraordinary thing. From glory, he came to humanity. It's a long way from eternity to time, from being Lord of the universe to a vulnerable baby, from divinity to dependence. Why did he make himself humble and vulnerable in this way? Because he simply could not consider eternity without us. He came to be with us, to be one of us, to know us, to teach us, to save us, to prepare us, 
He came to make a home for us, both now and for eternity. Ultimately, this baby in a manger became a man on a cross. He died to undo all the darkness that we had written. Jesus then rose from the dead, not just to show his power, but also to reveal our path, our path to the Father and our pathway to eternal life with him. It's the greatest story of all time. Christmas is so much more than just one remarkable event. It was the beginning. A moment in history that changed the course of all that would come after it. It was the intervention of a new story, the inbreaking of new reality, the coming, the first coming of Christ our King. It was a night like no other, a night that will forever punctuate the timeline of history, a night that introduced hope to humanity. In Hebrews 4 verses 14 to 16, it says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have a high priest who is able to understand. Since he understands, we find grace and mercy when we need it. God became one of us. He came into our world to live as we do, to know joy and sorrow, injustice and compassion. God became flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. Had Jesus simply descended to earth in the form of a mighty being, we might respect him, but we wouldn't be able to draw near to him. After all, how could God understand what it means to be human? Had Jesus been conceived by two earthly parents, we might be able to draw near to him, but would we want to worship him? After all, he'd be no different to any of us. Instead, Jesus was both. God and man at the same time, which means we have the absolute best of both. Neither his divinity nor his humanity was compromised. Because of his divinity, we worship him, and because of his humanity, we can draw near to him. Not one drop of divinity was lost in the change to humanity. The fullness of God, every bit of him, took residence in the body of Christ. The star maker for a time built cabinets in Nazareth. Jesus was undiluted deity and also fully man. He was born as all babies are born. His childhood was a common one. His body grew and developed and strengthened. There was no evidence or suggestion that he was spared the challenges of adolescence. He would have known illness and the pain of sore muscles and stinging wounds. As an adult, he was weary enough to sit down at a well, sleepy enough to doze off in a rocking boat. He became hungry in the wilderness and thirsty on the cross. When the soldiers pounded nails through his skin, a thousand nerve endings would have cried out for relief. And as he hung limp on the cross, two human lungs would have pleaded for oxygen. The word became flesh. Are you troubled or anxious at the moment? At times, Jesus was too. In John, Jesus says, Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Talk about agonizing inner turmoil. 
Perhaps you're overwhelmed with grief. He was too. In Matthew, it's recorded that Jesus said, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Have you ever desperately cried out in prayer? Perhaps you're longing for breakthrough right now. He did too. In Hebrews, it says that while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. He gets it. He gets us. Jesus was fully man and fully God. He was so human that he could touch his people and so mighty that he could heal them. So human that you spoke with, with mortal words, yet so heavenly he spoke with authority. So human that he could blend in unnoticed for 30 years, and yet so powerful he could change history and be unforgotten for over 2,000 years. All man, all God. And in his grandest deed, he volunteered to feel the consequences of all our sin. In 2 Corinthians it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Jesus didn't deserve to feel the shame, but he felt it. He didn't deserve the humiliation, but he took it. He had never sinned, yet he was treated like a sinner. All the pain, all the guilt, remorse, embarrassment, he felt it all, and he understands it all. He was sinless, yet most acquainted with understanding. And if you're wondering how this can possibly be, if he was sinless, how can he possibly understand our weakness? If he never messed up, how could he possibly understand the full force of its consequences? Simple. He felt it more than we do. We give in. He never did. We surrender. He never did. He was tempted, but he never wavered. Because Jesus was human, he understands us. And because Jesus was divine, he can help us. He came for all those unable to find a story beyond the shadow of depression. Those in the grip of grief, exhausted in their love and diminished in their, in their hope. He came for it all. He could have left us in the mess we created, but in his kindness he stepped into the darkness. God embracing us in our weakness, comforting us, restoring us. Not God above us or beyond us, but God among us. Right in the midst of our lives, in our weariness, in our anxiousness, in our restlessness, in our hopelessness. God in all of that, experiencing all of that, living it all, the servant king who was with us. He didn't just come to drive out the darkness and to draw near to us. He also came to bring newness. Newness wading into our lives and immersing us in wondrous healing. And it's even more than that. He came to establish his good governance upon us. It says in Isaiah, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. This is really good news. This promise, this hope, is eternal and unshakable. One day he will make all things right and all things new. This Christmas, regardless of our circumstances, we can celebrate the one who came to bring us hope. Unending, wholly satisfying, living hope. Made possible through the birth, 
the death, the resurrection, and the promise of the second coming of Jesus and eternal life with him. The Bible doesn't teach us despair. It teaches us hope. Hope is not a feeling addressed to our emotions. Rather, hope is a, a decision addressed to our wills. The hope we find in Jesus is more than capable of holding our hearts in perfect peace and more than capable of sustaining us whatever life throws at us. Hope is a gift and it's also a choice. Receive it and keep choosing it day after day after day. It may be that the reminder of eternity ahead does nothing to ease your aching heart. Your pain may be so deep that no human words can comfort you right now. But be encouraged, because Jesus is our living hope. Hope that cannot be taken from us, hope that's unchanging, hope that is matchless. We're not promised an easy life, are we? But we can be people who can turn to and can rest in, stand firm in the everlasting hope we find in Jesus. Rather than wishing for better circumstances or walking through painful times alone, we can cling on to the hope that Jesus gives us as he walks through the valley with us. No matter the ache or the longing, the sorrow or the suffering, the level of joy or dread at the prospect of Christmas, the birth of Jesus brought hope and healing for all of us. Because Jesus was human, he understands us, and because Jesus was divine, he can help us. Our hope is anchored in the past because Jesus rose. Our hope remains in the present because he lives, and our hope is complete and our future is secure because Jesus is coming. Some of you may have questions and would like to explore a bit more about who Jesus is and this hope that we find in him. Firstly, we'd love to talk to you. We also have little booklets called Why Christmas that just explain a little bit about why we choose to follow Jesus, and you're really welcome to take one of those. But let me just end by saying this. We can build our lives on the enduring promises of God. Since his promises are unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. Hope is here, and I wish you all a truly hope-filled Christmas. Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.